in the 21st century Hard-working people working hard for you and me Moving higher time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast this week. Well, it's not really even this week. I've got uh, my good buddy Brent Carlson from the Dryland Farmer Podcast on there. And we used to have a segment that we called The Morning Show, then it went to The Wednesday Show, and then it went back to The Wednesday Morning Show, and then it's now it's like Saturday Evening Show or whenever we have time to, to make it happen. So mostly that's my fault. But this edition of the whatever we're calling this show now, Outside of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, your premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America. Also, Tractor Zoom, delivering insights. Brent, what's going on, man? I, I know what we can call it. It's whenever Casey Seymour is in a good mood podcast. That's what we need to call it. Man, I've been busy. Man, I've, co- I've been Dude, busy. I've been covered up, man. I had, to, I had like three million podcasts I had to edit last weekend, and I'm still just now getting done. <laughs> I was busy, man. I had stuff going on. And this real job yeah. thing gets in the way. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got to feed the kids. I, I guess. know. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's all good. We're uh, been we've had emotional roller coaster of uh, coronavirus um, happenings. Not the actual virus, but how it affects our day to day life and how we're going to decide if we're going to cross the entire state of Texas to go to a steer show or not. Yeah. So, Did they not uh, cancel that? I figured everything else has so been canceled. They canceled. They canceled the entire Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. Uh, that was that uh, they did that this past. Let's see when they do that. They did the, this past Thursday last week. Yeah, this past week on Thursday evening, they came out. They had a big press conference, and they canceled the entire Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. It was still scheduled. It wasn't going to be over until the March the twenty second, I believe. And we were we were supposed to be down. We were supposed to leave this morning to go to Houston. Actually, not to Houston, but to uh, Belleville or Brenham, which is just north of Houston, about an hour, to uh, stay there for a couple of days before we went into Houston. And uh, so they had a big press conference, and they shut down the entire, not just like the steer show, the cat hog show, everything. They closed the grounds. They pulled their health permits just to make sure that they couldn't continue on with the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. This is a, I mean, a major, major event, in the, let alone the state of Texas, you know, city of Houston, but the state of Texas. So, um, you know, there's usually about, you know, the hog show is going to go on too, and there's usually, I want to say there's four or 5,000 hogs maybe that go to the Houston show. And um, now all those hogs don't have anywhere to go. And of course, that's a t- it's a market terminal show, so... You know, with the hogs, you uh, you go there. That's that's the end of line for them. And then there's probably usually about thirteen or fourteen hundred steers that go, and it's also a market show for them. And I mean, if you make the sale, um, that's the end of the end of the road for them. But you can take the calf home if you don't make the sale. But what I'm getting at is there was probably I don't know ten to twenty million dollars worth of livestock that had uh, you know that's really the whole reason you're showing is to get to that major show and. Uh, and, uh, you know, try to, you know, try to get some money there, get a placing. But um, there was, you know, probably $20 million worth of livestock with nowhere to go. So um, just in the last, I mean, within a day after, so that Friday, the day after, the hog show had already, there had already been people that had conjured up a new show. And I think it's going to be in Fort Worth. And they have already gathered up like close to half a million dollars in donations to make that thing work. So I don't know how many hogs are going to go to that thing um, that we're going to go to Houston, but it's a large. And Texas just started their spring break this, you know, this uh, right now we're on spring break. We're just starting. And uh, so now there's been a steer show that's been uh, put together and it's going to be in Abilene. And uh, there's been lots and lots of donations. And I mean, to if they get this thing, so we're going to go to that. We're going to be going to Abilene on uh, Wednesday and either show Thursday or Friday. I can't remember. Uh, I think. Depends on what breed you are, but um, so if they get this put together and uh, if this thing goes through, it's going to be a just a mass. I'll be highly impressed that this thing gets put on because just throw a show. They're expecting about eight hundred steers at the Abilene at this deal, 
Yeah. And um, that's just a preliminary, you know, like I said, Houston, there's usually 13 or 1400. And um, this is going to be an Abilene. So, which is, you know, great for us because that's five hours closer for people up in the Texas Panhandle to drive to Abilene versus going to Houston. So, um, if this thing gets pulled off, I'll be, uh, you know, there's lots of money to come in and the people that are putting it together have lots of connections. I know the Fort Worth steer superintendents are going to come run the sale or the show ring. And um, they've got San Angelo stock show. They're going to run the donations. They're going to process all of that. And I mean, they've got some people in high places that are really stepping up to the plate. So if this thing gets, um, you know, if it didn't get shut down by some, you know, government, you know, edict or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's going to be a really impressive deal. So, um, yeah, that's what we're looking forward to. Not to mention um, all the things. Is that what you, I forgot? I'm sorry. Did you want to title this episode the topic, Casey? Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about coronavirus. So, yeah. Okay. Just there we go. We're official yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, so they canceled that. Uh, Houston, they um, had like a seven-day emergency deal. So, basically, it canceled any any and all large events. Like, they had some big bike race, tour to Houston type of deal or something. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. But um, but so they were, they pretty much canceled all big events in Houston. But yeah, you know, so the coronavirus. Casey, why is this so different than any other quote-unquote big disease epidemic that we've had? You know, I don't know. It's, it's uh, you know, I've been giving this a lot of thought and I don't, I kind of go both ways on it a little bit. I think the biggest issue that I have with it is if I got coronavirus tomorrow, I don't know that I would I would even notice it because most of the people you talk that, that get it that are healthy, they don't have some kind of underlying health problem, diabetes or bad heart or, you know, some respiratory disease or something like that already in, in, in the mix or, or you're not elderly or whatever it is. It seems to be that it's not even as bad as a common cold from what I get, from what I understand from it, you know. My my so, biggest issue is is the the quarantine thing, you know, the the fourteen day yeah. quarantine deal. So, I guess my where I, where I worry about it the most is if I came down with it and I was at one of our locations and at, at work and and that location has to get shut down now because thirty five people came in contact with me and we had to close it down for two weeks. Then what happens? I mean, that's I guess that's where my biggest hang up is, but. It's it's so, it's what's a weird thing, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, so I'm looking at I'm on the CDC website, so the Centers for Disease Control. This are these are the symptoms. The following symptoms may appear. I need to talk to the microphone, always get a landed for that. The following symptoms may appear two to fourteen days after exposure. Fever, cough, shortness of breath. That's it. Yep. Fever, cough, shortness of breath. So, okay, so it goes on down further. If you develop emergency warning signs for COVID-19, get medical attention immediately. Emergency warning signs include difficulty breathing or shortness of breath, persistent pain or pressure in the chest, new confusion or inability to arouse, that's what she said, bluish lips or face, that's what she said. These are the emergency warning signs, Casey. These are the emergency... I had... We had a AGR Christmas party one, uh, my sophomore junior year. I had these symptoms two days following that. Yeah. New confusion, inability to arouse, <laughs> persistent pain, pressure in the chest, except my pressure was in my head. And I didn't really have difficulty breathing. Breathing. Well, yeah, you could have said that. But I did have new confusion and an inability to arouse because I felt like shit for yeah. two days after dousing down my liver with seven and seven yeah 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 it's there's a there i think the biggest issue that why it's such a big deal and why so many people are are, they're worried so much about it that it's it's such a strong respiratory issue that comes up right so the reason your lips turn blue and all those kind of things is because your body's lacking oxygen and that's that's right yeah that's one of those big things so i don't know i mean i i know and somebody got i was on twitter yesterday and they said, I, it's amazing that, that 90% of the people are on Twitter now are all doctors. Yeah. I'm like, you know, that goes back to the whole thing. It's like, you know, I don't have to be a fireman to know there's a fire in a house. Right. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, and I'm not a statistician, but I did take statistics. Mm-hmm. And um, if this was the case, if, if just the name, and I know everybody has compared this to the flu. Well, the flu kills lots more people. Well, yeah. 
It does. And why is it not, why is it um, illogical to compare this to influenza? Do I need to go to the influenza to statistics? Because I can. I'm typing it in right now on the CDC website, okay? Here we go. Search results. Improving influenza. Figure. Uh, da, 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 that's 2009. God, their search engine sucks. Are you really going to make me do it on Google? Influenza. It's the government, man. It's not the most efficient thing on the planet. I know, I know, I know. Statistics. Here we go. Stats. 2020. That's what I want. Type. All right. Type B, right? More type than 100 A or type B? kids have died of the flu so far this season. I'm going to get, pull it up. Okay. And there's type A and type B, right? And is type it, B, yeah. Type B is the bad one, right? The different strains. I don't know. I don't know which one's worse. <clears throat> I think it's type B. It's the bad one. Okay. Weekly. Okay, here we go. Weekly U.S. Influenza Surveillance Report. Hospitalizations. Uh, okay. For the season, 61.6 per 100,000. The percentage of deaths attributed to pneumonia and influenza is 7.1%. 7 below the epidemic threshold of 7.3%. Uh, pediatric deaths, eight influenza-associated pediatric deaths occurring between 19 and 2019 to 2020 season were reported uh, this week. The total for the season is 144. That's just the pediatric. Uh, let's see. And I well, want everybody to know. Thing here. Yeah. I want everybody to know that I'm not making a lot of this thing, okay? I'm not making a lot of people dying from whatever it is. Okay, so number of, let's see, influenza A, number of positive specimens. Let's see. We're going to just do total influenza. Date cumulative, data cumulative since fe, uh, September 29, 2019. Number of positive specimens, 39,644 out of. 70,000 tested. So, influenza A, H1N1 is 19,000, and then the influenza B, I guess the big one, now you're starting to get into the weeds of it, but 13,000 of Victoria lineage, so whatever that is. But um, I'm trying to find the uh, real, you know, the morbidity rate. Uh, let's see what we can find here. But, um, Okay, so here's here. So I, pull, so I found 2019 Prelim 2020 U.S. flu okay. season preliminary burden, burden estimates. estimates. Yeah. yeah, okay, go okay. ahead. All right, so look at the CDC website, and I'm trying to make heads and tails with this, but this is from October 2019 through March 7th of 2020. Um, flu illnesses, they're looking at 36 million to 51 million in that time frame. Um, medical visits, 17 million to 24 million. Flu hospitalizations, somewhere between 370,000 to 670,000. And flu deaths, somewhere between 22 and 55,000. Okay. Those numbers seem bigger than, like, what, 40 deaths? 40. No. Well, I think we got more than that, don't we? Is there? I think there's like 1,000. No, nationwide? Yeah. No, uh, no, I think so. From COVID nineteen, there's been more than there's been more than forty. I've got to talk into that damn microphone. COVID. Okay, uh, let's see. Deaths. COVID nineteen deaths. U.S. Let's see. Because <sighs> I know, like for example, in like Washington State, twenty nine. They've had twenty nine deaths in Washington State. Twenty seven of them were in the nursing home, but. You know, like, yes. Yeah. That, that you can't say that as an aside. That's makes that that's that, that makes a. Uh, it's very important. Oh, it's the wicked fact important. That, that, yeah. Now, clo yeah. Now, my grandmother, uh, who's very old, she is ninety-seven years old. She, she's in a nursing home. They closed all visitors, you know, to the nursing home. That makes perfect sense. Nobody is more susceptible than a big building full of old people. That is very, very uh, uh, expedient, or not expedient, but very positive and very thoughtful and very logical thing to do. Close down nursing homes where the most susceptible people are. Um, let's see if we can find that number. Yada, yada, yada. Okay, so I found this from three days ago. Right now, total cases are... All right, here you go. 
Right. How long does it take for the number of total confirmed cases to double? World, 27 days. China, 33 days. Italy, 5. Iran, 7. And the, and the, uh, but we're talking, you got to talk about the numbers. Okay, so we've had 1,678 total cases in the United States. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. We had <coughs> doubled in three days. Uh, let's see. China has had 81,000 total cases since, uh, what is that? They've had 81,000 total cases. The world has had 142,539 total cases confirmed. Now let's go on down to, man, I like those charts. Those are a whole lot better. Okay. Uh, daily new confirmed. Now you get into these charts and obviously you can't do this over, um, audio, but let's see. Okay. So okay, total here. confirmed deaths due to COVID-19 that shows, okay. 5,393 worldwide. That so, is worldwide. So I found one that says, uh, this is as of March 15th at, 2240 in green. Okay. All right. So it says Corona cases, coronavirus cases, 156,562. Total deaths, 5836. And 75,922 have recovered. So here, here's a nice chart. It says the symptoms of coronavirus. 87% of the cases of coronavirus involves fever. 67% a dry cough, 38% fatigue, um, 33% of all cases get sputnum production. So you're getting snotty nose. 18% of the time you're getting shortness of breath. Then you get into the teens. Muscle pain or joint pain, 14%. Sore throat, 13%. Headache, 13 Chills, 11 Nausea or vomiting, 5%. Nasal congestion, 4 like I sound right now. And diarrhea, 3.7% of cases get diarrhea. So, Man. okay, here is, another, here is another good one. Coronavirus it has a pyramid. And the coronavirus, the severity of diagnosed cases in China, 81% are mild cases. Mild cases include all patients without pneumonia or cases of mild pneumonia. 14% are severe cases. Severe cases include patients suffer from shortness of breath, respiratory frequency, uh, plus or minus 30 minutes, blood oxygen saturation less than 93%, which is really bad. And then some other numbers that you really do have to be a doctor to know. And then 5% are critical cases. 2.3% of all cases died. But it doesn't say here which people of those 2%, the percentage of that 2.3% are. Are they 80% old people, 20% people with compromised immune systems? These things are all the same as it were influenza. Yeah, they're almost, it's almost 4%. I got 3.7%. <coughs> and the overwhelming majority, I think it's, uh, I saw a statistic, um, I think it was Thursday, that Eighty-seven percent of the people that are sixty-five and older that get that get uh, yeah, I think that's right. They get uh, coronavirus uh, die. Yeah, and so so it's 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 really it's a lot like the influenza in the case, in the stats that the older you are, the higher chance you have of dying. Right? If you already have yes. some kind of if you're unhealthy to start with, you have a higher chance of dying. If you are have some kind of uh, you know some kidney disease or heart disease or something like that or some uh, compromised immune system, you know you got cancer or something like that, you're gonna you have a higher chance of dying. So I mean it's just I mean it's the same it's the same outcome uh, that you see in any other. It, it, it's not like Ebola that just kills any, everybody that gets in touch with it. Fifty percent of people that get Ebola are dead. Regardless, yeah. regardless of their biological, you know, situation, whether right. they're old, young, good immune system, bad immune system, if you get poured 
uh, if you get a bo- uh, vat of acid, depending on which epi- uh, which series of Batman you watched, chances are you're going to turn into the Joker regardless of your biological situation. Right. Yeah. So this can be said for any health condition, any disease, quote unquote, pandemic, epidemic. I don't know how they got to the pandemic thing. Is it because of the total number of cases? Well, if that's the case, influenza is a pandemic every single year, every single time. Um, if it's because of the death rate, um, I think what is the death rate of influenza on a normal year? Like one point something percent, you know, of cases, right. you know, end up that. in death. Let me go back to that screen. Um, I was here just a minute. Ago. Well, they say COVID nineteen is what two point three percent. They said, well, that's du- that's doubled of influenza. Well, yeah, it's not hard to double one. It's like Pam when they're busting her balls, and they say, "What did she do? Doubled her sales from two to four? <laughs> yup. <laughs> you know, that's exactly what that is. Anybody right. can. You know, it's not hard to double the number one. Yeah. So, you know, it's just what about SARS? SARS killed more people. Ebola is killed. I don't know if Ebola killed more people, but Ebola was extremely more dangerous than than influenza. COVID-19. Well, the thing about Ebola, it would never become a pandemic, and the reason for that is it kills people too quick, right? So I don't know what's how long do you usually have? I wonder. Like twenty four hours. Oh, twenty four hours. You're dead. Yeah. Well, not you're dead, but you have like you're pretty much within 24 hours you're showing very strong signals of ebola and within three days you're dead or five days you're dead or something like that hell you drink too many bud lights you show symptoms in about 45 minutes (laughs) yeah that's true yeah that's true but uh that's a that's a whole other weekend i spent but yeah so um i i don't get it you know i'm not a conspiracy theorist but it is interesting to um somebody put on a note on twitter and i know this is probably you can take it for what it's worth. There's always some kind of epidemic or pandemic during an election year. Well, there's a pandemic or an epidemic every year when we have influenza. So you can just throw that out the window. But, um, you know, people are obviously, I mean, we're so highly politicized that they're trying to throw this at Trump. And, and um, I mean, you really do have to talk the political side of it because, I mean, they, everybody else is in the media. And I, I think everybody is finally starting to, even some of the, borderline or the fence riders are starting to say, you know what, they're trying to throw this at Trump and he's done a hundred times more than Obama ever did when it comes to, when it came to was an H1N1 and how mm-hmm. many people died in, uh, in the States, what a thousand people died before he took any action and he wasn't even pushed to take any action until then. And um, they're trying to throw this at Trump. So of course you get on the freaking internet. I mean, it's a, it's a fest of uh, every. You need to walk. You need. You know what you need, like, Casey. You need a pair of dry shod muck boots to yep. wade through the shit that goes on the internet. Yeah. All of the BS. This is a good place to put on your dry shod work boots. Yeah, your your dry shod work boots are uh, are definitely needed right now, and and <laughs> they are the official boot of the Moving Iron Podcast. Just wanted to throw that out there. So if you're if you're if you're looking for a good pair of boots, go find yourself some dry shod boots. Hey, yeah. if you're out and you're, uh, you're kind of walking around your car and all you're doing is looking to kick your Dawson tires, <laughs> kick your Dawson tires <laughs> with some dry shod work boots. <laughs> That's funny. Dawson tire, Dawson tire. <laughs> so here, here you go. One, here's one stat real quick. All right, so I'm back to the CDC website, the 2019 through 2020 flu season estimates, what they're kind of thinking about. So I took the high side of everything. So I took... 51 million cases is what they're guessing to have, and they're and they're thinking there'll be 55,000 deaths, right? Right. Well, if you do the math on that, that's one. That's less than one percent. Less than one percent, yeah. Yep. And so I think well, that's what the that's what the big thing. Two, it's two things. One is it does have a higher. It might not have the infection rate that you see in in the flu um, that, that you typically would see there, but what it does have is um, the infection rate is high. But the other side of it is it's it's. It's the fear of the unknown, right? I mean, everyone's kind of used to living with the flu, and we know that during the flu season, you wash your hands and you you do all the stuff that you you know you don't go licking doorknobs and those kind of things, right? And this exact same stuff that we're that we're supposed to do now. This whole raid on toilet paper thing is has got me just completely baffled. That if if the world's going to shut down for two weeks, I feel like I need more food than I need toilet paper. I guess yes. I mean, is that not a fair statement there? 
because if you run out of the if you run out of the food, mm-hmm. the toilet paper is not going to be an issue. Right. Yeah. You won't need it. Yeah. You won't need it. You'll be having dry farts for the next fourteen days. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's so much more. This this, this idea that you know, I kind of get the, the other day. My wife went to uh, Target to get some to get some stuff, and she was just getting just basic clean supplies because we needed clean supplies, right? Uh-huh. So she went to get like Lysol and Clorox wipes and those kind of things, and they were completely sold out, right? Wow. So I kind of sort of get that a little bit. Um, yeah. It makes more sense. But the toilet paper aisle and the paper towel aisle and the the uh, paper napkins and all those kind of things were all sold out. It was just like bare shelves with nothing there. And See, I, I just don't get yeah. that. I don't understand why wife, that is that way. My wife went to Walmart. We have Walmart here in Hereford. She went there a couple of days ago, and she said it wasn't bare. Now, you could tell there were some shelves that were a little thinner stock, stocked than what she's usually uh, used to seeing. But nothing, nothing like you see. Of course, I mean, who's taking pictures of full shelves of toilet paper? And can we please stop with the toilet paper memes? This thing is playing out faster than the uh, cat and the screaming chicks meme. Okay, so I pulled up a good, um, I pulled up a good, and and remember, what did I read in that pyramid of a symptom? No, not pyramid, but the bar chart: two point three to three percent of cases of COVID nineteen get toilet uh, get a diarrhea. So, okay, so here is a good, this is a very credible, this is from John Hopkins' um, website. Similarities, COVID-19 and the flu. Symptoms, both cause fever, cough, body aches, fatigue, sometimes vomiting, and diarrhea. Can be mild or severe, even fatal in rare cases. Can result in pneumonia. Transmission, both can spread from person to person through droplets in the air. A possible difference, COVID-19 might spread through the airborne route. Flu can be spread by an infected person for several days before their symptoms appear. And COVID-19 is believed to be spread in the same manner. We just don't know yet for sure. Treatment, neither virus is treatable with antibiotics, which only works on bacterial infections. Both may be treated by addressing symptoms such as reducing fever. Severe cases may require hospitalization and support, such as mechanical ventilation. Prevention. Both may be prevented by frequent, thorough hand washing, coughing into the crook of your elbow, staying home when sick, and limiting contact with people who are infected. Differences. COVID-19, let's see, caused by one virus, the novel 2019 coronavirus, now called Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus 2, or SARS-CoV-2. Flu, caused by any of several different types and strains of influenza viruses. While both the flu and COVID-19 may be transmitted in similar ways, there also is a possible difference. COVID-19 might be spread through the airborne route. We already read that. Antiviral medications. COVID-19, antiviral medications are currently being tested. Flu, antiviral medications can address symptoms and sometimes shorten the duration of the illness. Vaccine, there's no vaccine for COVID-19. Flu, there is one. We already know that. Infections. COVID-19, approximately 153,000 cases worldwide, 2,508 cases in the U.S. as of March 14th. The flu, an estimated 1 billion cases worldwide, 9.3 to 45 million cases in the U.S. per year. Deaths, approximately for COVID-19, 5,789 deaths reported worldwide. 51 deaths in the U.S., Casey. So there you go for the U.S., 51. Flu, 291,000 to 646,000 deaths worldwide. 12,000 to 61,000 deaths in the U.S. per year. That is for influenza. The COVID-19 situation is changing rapidly since the disease is caused by a new virus, People do not have immunity to it, and a vaccine may be many months in the making. Doctors and scientists are working on estimating the mortality rate of COVID-19, but at present, it is thought to be higher than that of most strains of the flu. So that's about the best side-by-side web, uh, yeah. graphic I've seen. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think so this is probably one of those things where we're going to look back and say this might have been an overreaction. This is, uh, the, uh, the hype is going to hurt more people than the, well, I mean, it's easy for me to say that I don't have the, at least I don't think I have it. Um, I mean, the stock market, I mean, 
the stock market matters. It's crashed what fifteen percent. Of course, they you know they rallied it big time on Friday, but um, yeah. the cattle market. You know, I mean, you got to talk that we by some miracle sold our all of our calves. We sold it probably a day after the first day of, of the break. And um, since we've sold our cattle, the cattle market's probably dropped another $10. And uh, more fortunate, you know, we cannot imagine how fortunate we are to get those cattle, you know, off the books. So um, uh, we were real fortunate with that. But people, now cattle feeders now, I mean, are absolutely, I, I mean, I don't know what the uh, break even is now, but I know they're well below it. Um, I know... August, I mean, I know June and August cattle are below $90 now, at least uh, June is. Of course, June is always a weak month, but just for the simple fact of that's when all the cattle come out. But um, it's uh, it, it's been big ramifications. I mean, people are losing jobs over this thing, you know. they I, I forget what they say, however many people lose jobs, that many people died just for whatever reason. Um, but the... the uh, the ripple effect of this thing is is going to be off the charts. And I think, you know, I don't know, you know, to get conspiratorial, they're trying to take Trump down with it. And, um, I, you know, barring anything that's crazy, you know, that hadn't happened before, it'll probably all level out over the next month. And by, you know, everybody gets back into election mode, um, it's going to be gone and maybe not forgotten, but definitely not a worry of the American public. They're going to be more worried about whether they have a job or not. So, uh, have something to wipe their ass with. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, well, I think, I think there's a, I think you're right. There's a, there's a, there's a good opportunity here that I think two things here that, that have happened. This, this is the stock market's going to rebound. So I was, I was looking at something, some doctors were talking about a few things and they were saying that in, in six to nine weeks, we should start seeing a, <clears throat> A decline in new cases, just like we're seeing in China right now, right? Yeah. And um, Sean Hackett made made a point when he was on the podcast here about that. And when, when they start seeing that, that this leveling off thing starts happening, the markets are just gonna, everyone's gonna rush back in to get, to resupply. And and you know, like his point was, you know, China's gonna need tons of supplies right now because they've shut down their whole country, right? They're not letting right. anything in or anything out. And it's just, it's been tough to get stuff in there and the amount of stuff that's not been unloaded at, at the ports and those kind of things. So it's crazy. But the, the funny thing about this whole, you know, the world's coming to an end, we can't find anything. When my wife was talking to me about what she saw at Target, I went to Amazon and I could get hand sanitizer, toilet paper, clean supplies. Yeah. I mean, it's all right there. I could all yeah. have it in a matter of just days. And yeah, I I don't know. It, I, this might change the way people do business too, and, and this might be a turning point in the whole online shopping thing that we've seen in the past. You know, it's. I mean, every year somebody's predicted the end of the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, going back to the whole Batman analogy, you know, back that one that story that uh, Alfred talks about, where about the guy that just loves to watch the world burn. Uh-huh. I, mean, I think there are some people at, that have that mentality are behind some of the, you know, some of the media hype. They oh, just absolutely. love yeah. to watch it burn or they love to watch it burn for the people they don't like. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, you know, I hope you're right, but to be honest, people, humans have a very short attention span. They are oh, yeah. a very short memory yep. and, uh, this kind of stuff just, they just forget about it. Yeah. I mean, who remembers what the last, you know, "Quote unquote pandemic was. I mean, was it SARS or was it bird flu? Most people can't even answer that for you. But by God, we were all going to die from it. Yeah. You know, especially Ebola when they let the people, you know, get into the. Uh, I think was it San Antonio or Houston? Uh, they let it be in a hospital or something, and of course they died. You know, they're just you know, like you said, within twenty four to forty eight hours, mm-hmm. and um, they were, oh my God, the world was going to come to an end, and um, it just it's going to take more than that." Probably disease, although I am convinced disease will probably be the thing that does it. You know, this is a, I'm going to call, I'm calling this thing a mandemic. This is the biggest man made pandemic I've ever heard of. Yeah. You know, it's not like I've studied them or anything, but this is a mandemic. This is a man made, you know, um, it's, it is a hoax as far as it being everybody's going to die. I yeah. mean the it, the the actual virus. Yes, it's real. The 
hoax of it is is everybody's going to die from it. That, that's what the hoax is. Yep. And, no, yeah. No, yeah, definitely right. I think it's going to be uh, it's it's going to be a virus. But if the power went out tomorrow, I mean, everybody's lights were out and no one could go do whatever they needed to do, and and uh, there were there was zero power anywhere and no no groceries to get. Um, it's I think I read a study on that somewhere that within fourteen days there would be a third of the population would be dead or something like that, yeah. just from riots and all this fun stuff that go with it. So, if if the preppers ever had anything to give them credibility, this would be it. Yeah. You know, you go to your you go to your local Walmart or like you said, local Target, and you see some bare shelves and think, uh, I only see this on TV. This doesn't happen in Nebraska or the Texas Panhandle. Yeah. This happens in Wuhan, China, or. Bangkok, you know, over there. That doesn't happen here. Well, yeah. you know, I can't I can't be a hundred percent honest and say it didn't kind of ruffle me a little bit when I heard it was possible that that was happening here in the Texas panhandle as far as, you know, shortage of something, but then I kind of, you know, came around and took a shot and went on. I'm like, yeah, we'll be fine. You know the thing that really that surprised me more than anything, living where I'm at, is, is the number of people that were like, oh, you, we live out in the Nebraska Panhandle. We have to worry about anything like that. We don't live in New York or Los Angeles or right in those bigger cities. You know, we're out here about our own. I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's a good a good angle to have on life. Cause there's, you know, we, we live in a small world where things kind of, people travel a lot more and, and do a lot sure. of different things than they did 20 years ago. Oh yeah, you know, and back like back to the whole uh, the cattle thing, the cattle industry thing. Those packing plants are the perfect environment for something to spread because you have fifteen hundred people in one building, yeah, working together in a probably somewhat warm to humid environment, right? And if they shut down those things, the cattle market hasn't seen a disaster ever before like that. Right. Just when that one caught fire on oh, one yeah. side of the building, it crashed the market for a week. Yeah. Devastated people. You close down packing plants for even a day, let alone a week or two weeks, you will never, I mean, it will be like the Great Depression. And that was just one packing plant. That was... One. one, yeah, exactly. Just one, exactly. It might have been a big Just, one, but it was one, and it was no. Uh, you know, you're right. You can't. I mean, you can get over it eventually. Like this one in Friona uh, here, close to us. It's you know, they do. I can't remember if it's seven thousand head a day or something. Seven thousand head a day. You do that one week. You know, that's what, 49,000, I mean, seven days, they don't work all seven days, but, you know, six, you know, they're working 42,000 head a week, and then those 42,000 head don't go anywhere, they get backed up and backed up, and then they get bigger and bigger, and then what are you going to do with them? It's, I mean, it's an epic disaster, and if that were to happen, the cattle, I mean, (laughs) it would be absolutely devastating, it would be apocalyptic for the cattle industry. So say you do seven thousand head a day times uh, twenty working days in a month. Yeah, one hundred forty thousand head. head. Take that times. Uh, let's say they do it twelve months out of the year. You know, and you, that's uh, one. That is one point six eight million head of cattle. Yeah, that don't. That's a bunch. Get, that's quite a bit. That's a that's a fair amount. That's if you think about that, put that in perspective. What's the what's the largest uh, in the world's largest um, feedlot in Hereford? Or well, was at one time. No, not the. I mean, not real. I mean, it's big. Like they've got two that are kind of put together. Um, like before they were put together, it was Bargy Feed Yard, and they had over a hundred thousand. Yeah, I think there's one. I think there's somewhere that's bigger. Um, that's actually just one site. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's huge. I mean, it's a hundred. You know, we we have, I think we have a million head in Death Smith and maybe Death Smith County, which is Hereford, right? So every year, put that we in perspective. A million head every year. Okay, so put that in perspective. The million yeah. cow, right? Those million cows, and that that come through Her- that that Death Smith County area wouldn't go to slaughter. Yeah, you know what, what I mean? do you do with them? They got to yeah. do something with them. You mean there's, you know. there's not enough? There's not enough uh, product. Well. I'm sure there is. I mean, I'm sure they can ramp things up and run three, 
yeah, you know, and do those um, kind of yeah, things, but, but it's not necessarily the most productive thing on the planet either to do that. And, you know, it's like I was telling you off, you know, my brother-in-law is the manager, the plant manager of that thing. And, you know, his, one of his, his bigger worry was them canceling school. Oh, and yeah. If they cancel school mm-hmm. for two weeks or the rest of the freaking, you know, semester, all these employees with kids, they got to have something to do with them, you know. Yep. And yep. all of a sudden they've got kid, uh, employees with, without babysitters or support, you know, people in their lives to, uh, to keep these kids. I mean, it's, it is such a, such a ripple effect. I mean, well, that's what, you know, uh, Cuomo up there in New York, governor of New York didn't, didn't want to close the schools in New York for that very reason, because of the healthcare providers that would be, that couldn't come in if there was yeah. a bigger issue because they're going to be home taking care of the kids. Right. And what, what's that mean? So, I mean, I don't know if that's, it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? I mean, do you keep schools open and, and let things kind of run their course, or do you close stuff down and then run skeleton yeah. crews, which doesn't work? Skeleton well, crews never work. You know, and I don't know um, what kind of the age, like, you know, it's always young children and, and old, you know, elderly. Mm-hmm. You know, is when the kids start to become, what, 9 or 10, is that kind of when they start getting out of the danger zone, or is it? maybe four or five, you know, I don't know what it is, but I would think when you're starting to get eight, nine, 10 years old, you're probably getting stout enough where you can handle it. You yeah. Know? So yeah. do you go ahead and let the kids, some of the kids get the flu. I remember when I was a kid, I, and you know, pray to God, I never get it because I know it's awful, but I never got the flu. I've never had the flu. And I remember when I was a kid, literally 50, half of my classes, my brothers were the same way. My our class would be half empty and you know we had you know Hereford's a small town but you know like in my graduating class we had like you know 260 so I mean you know it's a decent sized town but you know I you know there'd be classes of 30 kids and there would be 15 16 17 18 gone but I never got it I never was out for the flu I got sick but sometimes but never had the flu when the flu epidemic was going around Yep. And so I guess I just we just had that certain immunity, or I don't know, we were just weren't as susceptible. And um, you know, it wasn't a pandemic. People just like, well, it's flu season. Yep. You know, it's yep. flu season. Wash your hands. I did read an article the day about that where they were talking about the reason the flu still exists is because it didn't do when they didn't do enough to not let it get ingrained into society. It you know what I mean so just accept it. Well, that, and it's just like we, they didn't do anything to try to eradicate it. You know, it's just oh, one of those oh, things yeah. where people got sick and more sick and more sick, and then it just kind of just kind of lays around now, and you can kind of get it. It's just there, yeah. and, and uh, I'm not probably explaining it well enough, but there's something to that effect that, <clears throat> you know, it's one of those things like the uh, guy made a good point the other day that if, if the Spanish influenza would have happened today, there probably wouldn't have been that big of a deal Um as it was in 1918, because majority of the people died from not necessarily the flu, but the symptoms of the flu, and that's you know dehydration and and those kind of things all kind of started playing effect into that, and then just the same knowledge of medicine wasn't there. So it'd be interesting to see like the bubonic plague or something like that if it happened today. Yeah, of course, that what was, would that look like? Of course, that was a different animal. I mean, that was all you know from rats right. and fleas and everything. Fleas, but, yeah. yeah, but. Um, you know, of course, the flu, I mean, it's, you know, people get the vaccine and they still, they can still get it. But yeah. like, I got oh, it, yeah. I got it yeah. super late. I got it in February. And so I was like dodging people. Like, and I never had the flu before. And I didn't, you know, when they wasn't, I don't think they had flu shots back when we were in elementary school, did they? I mean, that was no. in the late 80s. Yep. They didn't really start having the flu shots till the 90s sometime, did they? Or even. I don't ever really remember sure the flu they, shots being a big deal till like the late nineties, early two thousands. That's kind of when I okay. remember it popping them. But who knows? I mean, it could have been around before that. But I've only gotten a flu shot maybe for the last four or five years. Is yeah. all you know. I've never gotten a flu always shot. Always get some kind of huh? I've never got one. Oh, you haven't? Okay. So you're an anti-vaxxer. Not so much. I just don't see the point. How's your polio working out? Um, it's okay. The sugar cube was nice. <laughs> Did your knees start to hurt when the when the when there's a cold front coming in? Just the iron lung gets a little bit claustrophobic, but other than that, it's all right. Of course, the flu deal. I mean, there's 
I mean, there's, I don't know how many strains. There's not that many strains, is there? I mean, I well, know the common the thing. cold. I mean, that's the reason I don't get a flu shot, right? Because they, they're guessing on what the strain is going to be. They're guessing if it's even going to be the right strength. I mean, they're, it's, it's a total, I'm not saying that it's a total guess and they have no idea if it's going to work or not, but it's a total guess and they're not for sure if it's going to work or not. So I just, I, I figure if I'm going to get the flu, I'm going to get the flu. And then, yeah, but I, you know, I was running the numbers. I'm like, eh, if they get it wrong, then I guess I get it anyway. But uh, I've got a damn sure good chance of uh, getting it if I don't get the vaccine. So I'm going to go ahead and take it. Yeah. But I always do get like, I don't know how many days after. I can't remember. Maybe four, five or six days after. I always get a little feverish for a day. Well, yeah, I man, it, it is. It is a. You get I mean, I don't know if it's a, the flu. Well, yeah, I, mean, I don't know if it's, it's a, a dead virus. I mean, if but, it's a killed virus or a modified yeah. live virus. I mean, I only know that because that's you know when we vaccinate cattle, there's a killed virus and a modified mm-hmm. live virus. I would I would assume they're giving us the killed virus, but nonetheless, your body is still fighting an antigen. Or, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right if it's an antigen, but whatever the case is, um, I always get it. So and I just assume you're like, you know, this is better than getting the full blown flu. I, I can just imagine. So yeah. I just do it and go on. And if, you know, if I have a day of, you know, where I'm kind of down, then so be it. But it's better than getting the full blown flu because I just, it looks like hell. It's tough. It's a tough one, but yeah. But yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever gotten, I mean, I get some stomach bugs and those kind of things, but I don't ever get, I've never had like influenza, you know. So no, no, I haven't either. So, yeah. I right. count myself lucky, yep. but especially when how many cases did it say every year? Fifty-one million? million for just the United States, right? Yeah, we're we're what three hundred million? Three hundred fifty million of yep. three hundred million. <clears throat> That's what. Uh, is that? Well, three we're three hundred fifty million. So three hundred. Well, three hundred fifty million. Ten percent okay. would be thirty-five million. One percent would be three point yeah. five million. So. So, you know, it would be we're at 12 or 13%, 15% of the entire population gets the flu. Right. Yep. And that's not a pandemic. It's in, what, fifty to 60,000 die. Yeah. you got to have something like, uh, it's got to be over 8% or 7% or something like that of the people that get it die. So, Well, that's what I was going to say. What are they using it as a pandemic number? Is it the percent, the mortality rate? It's obvi- I guess it's obviously not the sheer number. Just the gross number. It's. I guess it's got to be a percentage. Yeah, it's a number. It's. I think it has to do with the. I, I mean, mortality rate. Here, I don't know. It has something to do with the number of deaths at a, and what percent of that is, and then is it is it prevalent across multiple continents, like more than just one continent? So the, every, every country, every country in the world, yeah. every country in the world's got it except for I think like Antarctica. You know, I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, that's a hotbed of disease down there. Yeah. Let me tell you. Yeah, but so I don't know. Greenland. Yeah, I don't know. Good times. All right, man. Well, I feel like we've uh, discussed the coronavirus here for forty-seven minutes. I feel like we've we've uh, we've knocked it in the head pretty good there. You've probably got (laughs) fifteen minutes of quality content in there. So of course, yeah, we can we can double down a little bit. What uh, tell folks about the Dryland Farmer podcast and where they can find it. Dryland Farmer Podcast is a uh, great podcast you can listen to. We're we're in the ag, global ag network, although we don't hardly ever talk ag anymore. It's usually something stupid. Let's see. This week, Landon and I talked. What did we talk about? We talked some coronavirus, and let's see. Well, actually, I've got my notes here. Uh, we talked about OJ and uh, OJ Simpson and his uh, toilet paper buying spree there at Costco. And what a sorry piece of shit he is. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, yeah, listen to the American Bitch segment we, that debuted this week. Now, bitch is a verb, not a noun in this instance. Okay. I know how you can be gotcha. confused on it being a noun, but it's not. I could have said, listen to the American Bitch, bitch, but I didn't know how that would be translated, so I just left it there. So, um, yeah, so we're on the Global Ag Network. We talk about all things. We try not to take ourselves too seriously. And that's very easy to tell when you listen to the podcast. Um, we're all over social media. We're on Twitter. You can follow me at Trader Brent. My co-host Landon is at No Twitlandon44. And um, so, yeah, we have a good time there. We're all over iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and all the great places where they just give away podcasts for free. <laughs> they don't charge you nothing. Yeah. That's, that's a good thing about those podcasts are free, thank God. Um, yeah. Well, you get what you pay for. Exactly right. Um, and now I've got this awesome virtual background now. Yeah, dude, this is great. I feel like Howard Stern. 
We're going to have all kinds of cool backgrounds, and we're going to take this live to YouTube as soon as we get the backgrounds. I've been working this internet thing, trying to get this YouTube thing backed up and running, and now I finally got it. I figured it out, and it was way simpler than I thought it was going to be, so outstandingly awesome. One thing I could never be is an IT guy. I can already tell. Yeah, that. I hear that. I hear that. Well, you can find Finally. you can find the Moving Iron podcast on the gall of the exact same places that that Brent just rambled off there. Global Ag Network. Check out all the globe, the good uh, podcasts are there. Make sure you check me out on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Check out movingironllc.com for all your all the things that have to do with Moving Iron. Um, podcast moving iron summit coming up here in nashville make sure you guys check that out um go out and check out um the blog and stuff i have up there also check out um the uh the official work boot of uh, moving iron podcast the dry shot boot and it's a uh, it's a it's a great thing check it out a warm today in the snow outstandingly awesome my feet stayed warm and dry so more more could you ask for in a work boot me too, and I played golf. <laughs> <coughs> Not poorly. If, if coronavirus had a golf game, mm -hmm. you could have seen it today. Yeah, I don't, I'm not a good golfer at all. I'm a good drinker. I wasn't today. I'm a good drinker. Pretty awful. But not much of a golfer. But it. Uh, you played golf today, and it snowed up here. So in a matter of probably just a what 600 miles, there's a. At enough least, enough yeah. difference, but hey, it's north. It's winter time, and we've had seventy degree warm temperature for the last I don't know, seems like the last two weeks. So uh, we were probably due for a little snow in in uh, in March here. So good times. So anything else you want to throw out there, Brent? Before we shut it down, uh, quit buying up all the damn toilet paper. And uh, yeah, we have a great sponsor this week. Our sponsor on the Dryland Farmer Podcast was Blue Shop Towels. <laughs> they are the unsung heroes. <laughs> Uh, if you run out of toilet paper, your ass will thank you for it. Right and from everybody at Blue Shop Towels, we'd be honored to wipe your ass. That's a good one. That's a good one. If there's any more reason to listen to the Dry Lamp Farmer podcast, I can't think of one out there. So, well, I can't. Until next time, I'm Casey Seymour with Brent Carlson. Thanks to Dawson Tire and Tractor Zoom for what you do for the podcast. And until uh, then, have a good one. Out. In the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here